Hello and welcome to the Bupa Healthy Me podcast. My name is Julia Ebbins. I am a health writer here at Bupa and today I will be chatting to Caroline Wood, who is the head of behavioural insights at Bupa 2. And we will be discussing how to stop smoking, um, focusing on why we smoke and why it's so difficult for us to stop, as well as some really useful tools and tips around evidence-based approaches for stopping smoking successfully. Hi Caroline, it's lovely to have you with us. Thank you for joining us today. Um, Would it be okay if you could start with a little introduction about yourself and your background? Of course, and thank you for inviting me to come along today. Uh, I'm Caroline Wood, I'm Head of Behavioural Insights and Research at Google UK. My background is in psychology and behavioural science and my PhD focused on smoking cessation and the impact of graphic warnings on smokers' intentions to quit smoking and also how it affects the relationship between smokers and non-smokers. Moving on from a PhD, I uh, started a post at University College London in research and particularly in digital health and behaviour change and I've been at Bupa now for about two years. Perfect. It sounds like you're the right person for the, for the job here then. Um, so obviously it's January and this time of year tends to make people think about having a fresh start health-wise. Um, so my first question is really, why do you think people start this time of year to think about stopping smoking? New Year can be a really popular time of year to start thinking about making those important changes to your lifestyle. And there's plenty of prompts from our society too in our environment. So, for example, in the media, we see around us, um, we're prompted to reflect on the year that's just come to an end and to really think about how we could improve on ourselves in the next year coming up. Um, It's been coined the fresh start effect by psychologists, and it relates to the fact that we use significant dates to kickstart changes. And it's not limited to ends and starts of the year. Studies have found that we're more likely to start out on achieving new goals on a Monday than a Thursday, and also around significant life events like moving house or starting a new job or indeed having a family. Um, It's also to do with the tendency to view our past and future selves differently as well. So we blame our previous bad habits on, if you like, the old version of ourselves and hold the belief that the new and improved version uh, will have more success in the coming year. So it's, it's absolutely a popular but a very logical time of the year to turn intentions into action if you get all the right tools and support in place. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting point about getting everything in place, um, because it seems as if maybe it would be more successful than if we go it alone to, to make sure we have that framework in place before we proceed. So, absolutely, yeah, that's a good point. Why do smokers often find it hard to stop, even when it's so clear that it's actually quite bad for us? When it comes to making changes to our lifestyle, it's not simply that case of knowing something is bad for us and then deciding to change and then hopefully making it happen. It's more complicated than that. So most of us, for example, will know all too well that eating the wrong types of foods, things like not getting enough exercise in, or perhaps drinking too much, are all examples of poor lifestyle choices that we tend to make that are ultimately bad for us. Now, one of the reasons that breaking bad habits, in other words, anything that we do that can prove harmful to us either 
on an emotional level, a mental level, physically, or perhaps all three, can prove particularly tricky because as humans, our, our brains are actually hardwired to develop those habits as a way of trying to make life easier for us. Life, if we were had to think about everything we were doing in a conscious manner, it would so soon become quickly overwhelming. Um, and for that reason, our brain puts us almost on autopilot for those behaviours that we do on a regular basis to save those conscious thought processes for when we really, really need them, like when we're doing something um, that's perhaps a little complicated, complex, or maybe something for the first time. So when it comes to unhealthy habits, um, they also have the rather annoying trait of being rather enjoyable. Um, so I, for one, have never met a chocolate bar that I didn't like, and the chemicals in my brain know this too. And, and when we enjoy something, our brain releases that chemical called dopamine. So if we do that enjoyable behavior over and over again, we get that hit of dopamine each time, and it strengthens that habit. So our brains are working chemically as well as us getting um, that behavior hit over and over again. Dopamine is also responsible for creating that create that craving to do the behavior again if you stop doing it. So your brain's trying to be helpful, but um, it can create some problems along the line for us. Okay, that's actually very interesting. And is there is there a particular thing that we do or a habit that we do which actually reinforces this uh, dopamine response in the brain, for example? So another reason habits can be hard to break is because by their very nature, they're likely to be well ingrained in our day-to-day routines. And something we do becomes a habit. We're reminded or cued in some way to do it. And we do it repeatedly in this same context over and over again. And rather unhelpfully, the same process is true whether it's a bad or a good habit. So what we've got is a situation where our brains are trying to be helpful, but end up making it more difficult for us. And in addition, we've got our daily routines creating that perfect environment for bad habits to form and stick around. Yeah, that does sound rather unhelpful. Um, Can you think of a behaviour or maybe a routine that we have which might actually make us more likely to smoke? Absolutely. So think like uh, your morning routine. You may always have a a cigarette with your morning coffee. Um, Maybe it's something more about the evening when you're meeting up with friends. Um, Perhaps they smoke as well. Or indeed relying on smoking to help you cope with emotions such as stress or anxiety when things get a little tough. Because your brain has learned that association, it may find it difficult at first when you try and convince it to do something different and then replace that behavior with something else. Right. No, that's really interesting. It sounds like our daily behaviors, routines can actually have a big role on our ability to stop smoking or not. Aside from the behavioral um, routines that we have, what makes stopping smoking particularly hard? Smoking remains the, the leading cause of preventable illness in England today. And the trouble is, is that it's a complicated behaviour. Like we said, it's made up of all those environmental triggers as well. Um, But there's also some chemical triggers going on as well. So tobacco products obviously include stuff that's called nicotine, which is the main addictive drug that triggers that release of those feel-good chemicals such as dopamine in our brains. And over time, that nicotine changes how the brain works. So it feels like that it needs that nicotine to function normally. 
So when a smoker stops smoking, their brain doesn't like it, which may cause those uncomfortable feelings such as feeling a little bit irritable or angry, um, which are often associated with that process of withdrawing from the nicotine and stopping it. And these type of feelings pass over after a while as the brain gets used to not having that nicotine around, but it can really make it feel like breaking the habit is um, a particularly tricky process as you get through that withdrawal feelings. Definitely. It sounds like you really need to stick um, with it when you start to experience these withdrawal symptoms. And that sounds like a really challenging part of the process. Um, do you think that stress plays a role in our, in our smoking addiction? For sure. Stress is a big one. So when we're, we're stressed, it's easier for those bad habits to form because the mental resources that we need to fight that stressful situation is just not available. Um, instead, our, our mental resources are being directed towards fighting whatever it is that's causing us to feel stressed. And as a result, we go back into those bad habits or in the case of smoking, just reaching for a cigarette. Uh, and many smokers will say that they smoke because they feel it calms them down. And yes, on one hand, they're, they're probably right. Because that nicotine is that mood-altering drug, it may temporarily mask those emotions that we associate with feeling stressed, such as anger and feeling frustrated. But really, behind the scenes, it increases the levels of stress in your body, causing that increase in blood pressure increase in heart rate and your muscles tense up as well. So as soon as that hit from the nicotine wears off and leaves your bloodstream, chances are that you'll feel worse than you actually did before you lit up. And, and worse still, you would have only dealt short term with the symptoms of the stress rather than the root cause, meaning that you're probably more likely to stress returning and then that cycle continuing. Okay, so it does sound like a bit of a vicious circle going on. Yes, yeah. Does that mean that if we took attempts to manage our stress through, say, yoga or another sort of relaxation um, technique, do you think that would help us when we're trying to quit smoking? Yes, I would say so, because it, it kind of removes you from the situation. So you, your mind is distracted, um, you've got your focus elsewhere, but also it gives you that practical outlet for knowing how to deal with that stress in the moment. And then sort of a way forward and a plan of action for when those feelings come up again. Definitely does sound good. Um, so imagine that someone has managed to temporarily quit smoking. What causes them to relapse? And is there something, you know, we can do to avoid these smoking relapses? Now, relapse is a, is a strange one because we often see it as a point of failure. But many people who quit smoking will relapse at some point. And it's a difficult change to make, and it can take a few tries to quit smoking for good. That's the reality. But the most important thing to bear in mind is that just because you've relapsed, it doesn't mean that you're right back at square one. You've actually made a lot of progress in doing that, squid, that quit attempt and seeing it through. It also doesn't mean that you're more likely to relapse again in the future. So I would always say try and see it as an opportunity to learn a bit more about yourself and what factors led you to fall back into those old habits. Don't stop trying, as it will likely to be just a minor slip-up rather than a full-blown relapse. Um, cravings are absolutely the number one predictor of relapse. Finding ourselves in that situation where we would have previously smoked or 
perhaps feeling under stress, where we would previously calmed ourselves by reaching for a cigarette, are all likely to kick off those, those cravings and get us smoking again. And knowing what's likely to trigger those cravings allows you to prepare for them ahead of time a bit more and get in place those strategies to manage those cravings and stay on target. And the key really is in being able to make it easy for that new behaviour to happen and create what we call friction between you and the behaviour that you used to do and you're trying to stop, i.e. smoking. Um, we want it we want to make it harder for cravings to derail your best intentions, in other words. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so it really sounds like there's so many different aspects to stopping smoking. You know, you need all these different tools in place to help you. Um, I just wondered if there's any evidence to suggest which approach is best when it comes to stopping smoking? Yes, there's very good evidence to show that a combination of having behavioural support, but also stop smoking aids such as e-cigarettes and prescription medication can greatly increase your chances of successfully quitting smoking. So it's, it's definitely about the combination of the two. And studies have shown that having a programme support that involves setting that quick date, having a plan for dealing with things that make you reach for a cigarette, and then getting that support from trained stop smoking advisors, whether that be speaking with your GP or pharmacist, is key to success. And then part of that programme might be getting support from other stop smoking aids such as nicotine patches, e-cigarettes, and or other medications such as Champix, which is also known as Renaclean, to support you in managing those cravings as you transition through your, your quitting journey. It's the best form of support just to help you with those initial symptoms, which might be a little off-putting, a little different to you as you go through that withdrawal process. Interesting. Um, I guess that, yeah, that makes sense that obviously if you're trying to wean yourself off something, it could be harder if you, if you do that over a period of time. If, yeah, and if you just let yourself have one puff every now and again, it's really harder to, to see yourself as a non-smoker. You're always sort of one foot in one camp, one in another. Interesting, yeah. Okay. I just wondered if you had uh, top three tips that you would recommend to someone that's really keen to, to stop smoking this year. So I would say that there's good news for us as humans, and that is that we're much better than any other animal at changing and orientating our behaviour towards long-term goals or benefits. Psychologists studying willpower and motivation have likened self-control to muscles so once you've exerted some self-control, let's say that you've maybe successfully stopped smoking on willpower alone for a whole week, which is excellent, like a muscle, your self-control can get tired over time. So you need to have that set of plans or tools in place to strengthen that muscle so it can stand up to more and help you to resist that temptation next time you try to quit, setting yourself up for success. And there's not a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to quitting, but there are some strategies that you can try to see if they work for you. My number one tip would be to expect and to plan for those urges to smoke so you're more prepared. So cravings to reach for a cigarette can be really strong, particularly in those first few days after your quit date. So anticipate those cravings and really think about how you'll deal with these by thinking of some easy-to-do, five-minute activities that will just take your mind off of it. They'll take you out of that moment 
and help you think about something else. So it could be going for a brisk walk around the block, calling a friend, uh, maybe playing a distracting game on your phone, anything to avoid you just sitting there and sort of dwelling in the moment and waiting until that craving has gone. Um, a second top tip I would say would be to start referring to yourself as a non-smoker rather than someone who is trying to quit. Um, and this is really quite a strange one. You don't really see this in top tips to stop smoking. So it's a different way of thinking of things. But our identity and how we see ourselves plays such a big part and much bigger part than we would have thought in determining whether we achieve our goals or not. So by seeing yourselves as someone who's a non-smoker rather than someone who's in that process and may slip back, gives you a bit more of a concrete hold around that identity. Sure. It sounds like your mindset and how you actually see yourself has such a big impact on your success, which I don't think uh, many people know about. So that's a really useful point. Exactly. It's one of those, those rare tips. Um, so I'd put that in there as well. And then, and then third and finally, um, I would say try and find a way of tracking your progress and seeing how far you've come because it would be really powerful as well. There's some great apps out there built on scientifically proven techniques that can really help you to keep your motivation up, give you advice on managing those cravings in the moment and then get you back on track quickly if you fall off. But it also helps you to see how far you've come, which is something that you might not realise if you're just going through the motions day by day. Definitely. It's nice to see the bigger picture, you know, and see how, like you said, how far you've come over a period of time. Um, how can other people in your life, such as friends or family, for example, support you or, or someone as, as they're going through the process of stopping smoking? So having support from other people is definitely a key factor in success. Studies have shown that having support and encouragement from others around us is particularly important in those early stages of quitting. So those of us who feel um, the most supported by close family and friends are most likely to be the people who remain quit after at least three months. So social support has a really important part to play here in determining how successful we are at quitting. In the simpler sense, having people around you that know that you've recently made that decision to become a non-smoker, thinking about the identity part again, means that you've got a ready-made circle of people who can listen to you or who that you can go and talk to if you feel you need to. They can also remind you of how far you've come and the benefits that you've gained from quitting, like having fresher breath, smoke-free hair and clothes maybe, but also the practical things like the money that you've saved by not buying cigarettes. And no doubt friends and family can also help with the spending of uh, that saved money, um, perhaps treats that you can enjoy together or somewhere you can visit as a reward for when you've met those targets that you wanted to make. And don't forget that in stopping smoking as well, you're disrupting your normal routine. So you'll need help to change your day-to-day from those friends and family around you so that you don't feel tempted to slip back into those old habits. And this could be maybe taking up a new hobby, starting something new, such as an exercise class in the evening, um, with those friends, with the family members, if they want to come along too, to help reinforce that new habit to form. They're great ways to repurpose that time, but also having someone to keep you accountable to, to keep going with those changes will help, help it become a, a new habit more easily. Sure. So, you know, it just sounds like support is so essential and not to go it alone seems to be the message which you're um, 
you're repeating there. So that's that's mm-hmm. good. Um, and aside from your friends and your family and the people close to you, where where would be the best place to go for support and help outside of your your um, circle of people? So my first point of call, if I was considering quitting smoking, would definitely be to visit my GP or my local pharmacist. They're really the best place people to give you the up-to-date expert advice that you'll need um, and that will stand you in the best position to successfully quit and importantly, stay quit. They'll also be able to put you in touch with services such as your local free stop smoking service. You'll be able to support you throughout the journey and also advise you on stop smoking aids, whether that be medication or other forms of uh, stop smoking aids that will help you manage those cravings and other withdrawal symptoms, particularly in those first few days and weeks. There's also a lot of great content freely available on bupa.co.uk, of course. Top tips, articles written by our experts, as well as real-life stories, which is a, a really good insight to have from smokers who have gone through that quitting journey, like, like yourself, and um, really sort of being truthful about the barriers that they've encountered and how they've overcome them. So they're very interesting stories to read. Um, it's really important to remember that, like all with behaviour change, smoking or otherwise, everyone is different as well. So what might have worked for a friend or a family member that you've spoken to might not work in the same way for you. So there's a really great tool which is available on the NHS UK website that enables you to create your own personal quit plan. And it's, it's only three questions long and it lets you find the right combination of support based on things like how many cigarettes you currently smoke, the strength of your cravings, such as when you reach for your first cigarette in the morning and any other previous quit attempts you've made as well. So having that personalised plan will enable you to sort of plan for um, the right type of support that you think you'll need. Great. It's good to know there's so many tools and resources people can use. Um, That's really positive. Well, thank you so much for answering all the questions. I think it's been very helpful to get a good overview of what people can do to help themselves, where to go for support, and also just understanding the whys around, you know, why do we smoke and also why is it so difficult to break the habit? Um, But it's good to end on a positive. And I think, you know, we can see now that there's lots we can do to help ourselves with this um, process. So thank you very much, Caroline. Um, Much appreciate your input and I hope it's been useful to people as well. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.